Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is number 228. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present, kneeling, waiting, on the meat and potatoes of a DS relationship. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your host, The Beast. Thanks, Max. We're here with another edition of the Kinky Cast. This week, we have Kneeling Waiting with us. Hi. Hi, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. You are a relative new newbie, is that right? Not exactly. Um, I've been in the scene, I would say, for a few years. I used to call myself kink adjacent, so... I wasn't uh, really living the lifestyle, but I was maybe had a little bit of experience in my teens and then kind of lived in vanilla land for a long time, came back around. Came back around. I like that, that, that <laughs> choice of words. We always try to give our, our listeners an understanding of the history and where the, our, our guests have come from. So you started in your teens. I did. When I was I'm not going to put an age on that. Um, when she was beep. <laughs> I had a boyfriend and I remember, I don't remember exactly what the context of the bet was, but I remember if I won the bet, I said, I want to be your slave for a day. And he said, wait, but isn't that if you lose? <laughs> yes. And, and, and I would have been scratching my head too. And I, yeah, and I said, but but I want to win, and I still want this. So uh, I there were some clumsy experimentations in my teens. Um, my first impact, I was maybe like seventeen or eighteen, and and when it happened, I said, wait, I thought I liked that, but I don't like that. And it turned out I was right the first time. It just we neither of us knew what we were doing. So um, so I did start. Then, uh, and then it wasn't, and I didn't think of myself as a submissive until much later than that. So I think I was in my late twenties when I said, Oh, all of this kink stuff I like is actually part of this bigger thing that explains all these other things about my personality that I've never quite understood, but I'm actually a submissive. And how was it coming to that realization? I mean, we're taught in America for women to be strong, independent, and free, and you're putting yourself in chains willingly. It was a bit complicated. I would say that it took me time to understand that there was strength in submission and that it wasn't just being a doormat. Um, I love my mother so much, but I watched my mother do the traditional housewife thing for a long time and be deeply unhappy with that. Uh, every time my mom dated somebody new, her personality changed a little bit because she liked the things that they liked. 
And I said, that's not me. Um, I know who I am. I'm not changing who I am for anybody. If anybody tries to come in and tell me what to do, they're going to have another thing coming. So it took me a long time to, to realize that actually really the core of DS for me is that it's submission to someone who does want to uh, fulfill your needs and feed you on this very deep level and, and understanding that brought me to the point where I said, actually, no, I do want a relationship built on this. And that brings us to how I found you. A very good segue, by the way. <laughs> I was trolling fit like, like we all do looking mm-hmm. for the gems of the written and the photographic art, um, among the, lesser qualities and <laughs> one of your writings the meat and potatoes of bdsm just kind of jumped up at me how did that writing come about so i've had that idea in my head for a long time and i've never been quite sure how to write it but uh, i have a tumblr blog as well and somebody messaged me probably about a year ago on my tumblr account And they were describing this problem that they were having in their relationship, trying to move into a 24-7 dynamic and saying, I just don't know how people do this 24-7. It's exhausting because there's all of these rules and there's all of this edging and and plugs and all of this stuff. And and I said, I think you're, you're living on this cotton candy. And it's just not sustainable. You have to find other things to to base it on. You have to find the deeper um, meat of it. And that that kind of um, way of framing it, cotton candy and meat and potatoes, just kind of always stuck with me. But I'm a Midwestern girl, so, you know, I'm all about the meat and potatoes. And the and carnival, I'm- when it comes, comes to town, is a very special occurrence. But it leaves then. Right. So I just... Early in my kink experiences, I had all of this exciting kind of orgasm control and denial and, and all of these things. And, and at one point I thought, this isn't a way to build a life. And, um, and, and it took me some time to see uh, through reading of my own that when people build a relationship on this, it becomes woven into the relationship and it's not a separate, I don't know, kinky add-on to what the relationship is all about. Now, looking at FET, and most of what we see and draw our attention is the cotton candy, isn't it? Well, cotton candy is delicious. Oh, it is. All the ropes and the whips and the spanking. What is your fetish, by the way? We all have them. I hesitate to call spanking a fetish for me because it runs so deep, but it's, I like a a lot of everything, but spanking is a special thing for me. I've, I've written that, um, while other kinds of kink change as I'm in this relationship versus that relationship, spanking is a uh, must-have for me. So are you saying you got a little bit of your mother in in you and you're adjusting for each relationship? No. Okay, <laughs> I see where you're going. No, I, I think what it is is that um, within each relationship, you find different things that 
speak to you about that relationship. So I had one Dom who had this inspection ritual. Without that, the relationship just wouldn't have felt the same. And then I've had Doms that don't do inspection at all. And maybe if they started doing it, I would like that because I'm a very ritual oriented kind of person, but it's not a necessity because there are other things. It's a human relationship, isn't it? Yes. And it's much more complicated than just the sex or, or just the rituals. It's, uh, if you don't have some common interest. Yes. It is doomed to spin out of control sooner or later. Absolutely. You've had several relationships. How did they come about? A few of them through FET. I have also met people at munches and things like that. But uh, one Dom, actually, I met because I wrote something on Tumblr about wanting to ask things of my Dom. and. He wrote me and said, but you can't ask that because you're the submissive. And I said, to hell, I can't. Did he say it tongue in cheek? No, he said that he thought that my Dom, if he needed clarification about these things, that maybe he should seek out a mentor, which I believe in the, the power of mentorship for people who are new. But my feeling has always been that a DS relationship is a relationship. And at the core of that, you have to communicate and share things. And as a submissive, you have to do that respectfully and with deference and in the right place and time, but you still have to communicate your needs. And you, you can't not communicate your needs because you're biting your tongue because of your role. How long did the relationship with, um, don't ask me, Mr. Don't ask me last? Oh, um, so we were friends for a long time and then it actually became quite a serious relationship. Uh, he challenged me and, and in fact, I would say that a lot of the core philosophy that I have about how a DS relationship is supposed to work comes from him comes from what I learned in the context of that relationship. So he's wrong about some things and he's arrogant as hell, but, <laughs> but, uh, it was a really good relationship for me. It was one of my earliest, um, DS experiences. Back to meat and potatoes. What are some of the elements of the meat and potatoes aspect of the DS? We know communication is, is a core. I think the most important thing, aside from communication, is having a deep understanding of your own needs and your partner's needs. And that's needs, not wants. Help our listeners with your definition of needs and wants, because this is always a hot button topic. So I'll use an example. I uh, have a tendency when I have a pressing work deadline that I want an orgasm. <laughs> I just really do. And it's because it reduces the stress. It evens me out so that I can focus. But also, it's a way of delaying the work that I have to do. I had a dom who would say, okay, what's the work? How much of it needs to be done? By what point in time? And if you want an orgasm, you will show me that you've accomplished 
X amount by that point in time. That way, he sort of threaded the needle between the need that I had to get my work done so that I could sleep without being overwhelmed with anxiety and the want that I had for this immediate stress relief. So for me, the the need versus want is understanding what a person needs to be happy and satisfied in life versus things that you just really enjoy or have a short-term focus. And listeners, you'll see her face when she's saying, uh, when she's alluding to orgasms are not necessary. <laughs> she is, she is straining to, to say it. I believe that orgasms actually are one of those interesting places where they could be a need or a want. And it depends. I used to have on my hard limits list, uh, long-term orgasm control. And what I meant by that was more than a few days. And part of that for me, uh, an orgasm becomes a need in part because I am prone to depression. And if I don't have orgasms uh, or some other way to relieve stress and improve my mood, then uh, I tend to slip into a depressive episode. And so uh, I've removed it from my list because I've reached a place where I feel comfortable enough communicating that at times I will say I need an orgasm and at times I will say I want an orgasm. Anybody from the AMA listening, we may want to redefine orgasms as a as a necessary function of life. <laughs> the rest of meat and potatoes, communication and knowing yourself. Yes. How do you learn your partner? What is your strategy? I think part of it is communication, but part of it is watching what happens when they're struggling. When my dom is going through a really stressful time, are there things that he clings to more? Are there things that he lets slip? What is it that really feeds him? I had a dom once who, when he was really stressful, honestly, the most relaxing thing for him was to brush my hair. That was the thing. And I don't remember how we stumbled across it, but I just remember this moment where he was brushing my hair. I felt his whole body relax. And I thought, okay, this is the thing. And then the next time he was in this really stressful place, I said, would you like to brush my hair? And he kind of gave me this look and he, like I was crazy a little bit. And then he said, you know, actually I would. <laughs> Some of it is just paying attention to those things. And with another Dom, I asked him for permission for something that I don't normally ask permission for, because there's something about that feeling of control of being able to say yes or no to something that I knew would center him during that stressful time. From your perspective, one of the key skills of a submissive is watching and not taking preconceived notions about what a dom should or shouldn't be into the relationship? I think that's really important. And I think that people tend to have this idea of what a dom should be and that certain things are undom-like or even certain things are unsubmissive, like the, the idea of communicating that you need something 
and saying that very directly. Um, even sometimes now I struggle with that. And, and I think that both sides of the slash have to go into a relationship knowing that role that you have should not override the ability to communicate your needs and to understand someone else's needs. How long did it take you to come to this wisdom? Oh, I was an idiot for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) I have my doubts that that's an accurate statement. I have some lessons that I learn, and then I need to learn them over and over and over. And uh, this is one of them that sometimes I still have this moment where I say, can I really say I need this? Or... Does it undermine the dynamic if we do it this way? Well, the truth is, if you find what works for you as a relationship based on power exchange, it doesn't matter if other people do it or don't do it, if that's their way, because you're building your own way together. You may have a template that you start with, but what kind of relationship is it if you don't build on that? Are you in a relationship now? I am not. All right, uh, Dom's out there, uh, quality Dom's <laughs> out there. I am sure that about this time this, this airs, she'll be, uh, long off, off the market. And she know. blushes gorgeously, by the way. <laughs> you have talked about several relationships that you've had. And there are many that think that it's the one and the only one. And, and do you think that that is true every time or, or are there, Lessons to be learned in relationships, and that's the purpose of the relationship. I think it's Dan Savage that says that every relationship ends until one doesn't. And I never go into a relationship looking for it to end, obviously. Uh, I'm not a play-oriented person. I do, I mean, I enjoy play with a partner, but I don't go into relationships that have definite boundaries and endpoints. And so my hope with every connection I make is that it will be the the lasting one. But I would say that all of my relationships have been with good people. And they ended because the relationship wasn't the right fit for either of us. And so I think there are lessons to learn out of that. There are things that I have done wrong. And there are things that have just been lessons that that I've learned about why this or that wasn't a good fit. Um, I've been in poly DS relationships, I've learned that there are aspects of poly that work for me, but there are aspects that don't. And I typically tread very carefully when it comes to those relationships now, because I know that it's less about the poly, but it's about the combination of poly and DS that brings me to a place that isn't as healthy for me. And healthy is important, isn't it? Yes, it is. Do you think that some um, submissives trade their well-being emotionally or physically for their ideal of what a DS relationship should be? I think a lot do. And I think that part of it is this misconception that you can't have both. And if I thought that I could only have that power of a DS connection and the way that that connection makes me feel or have a healthy relationship, I would probably choose the connection of DS every time. And I think that when you feel what it's like to have both of them, 
for the first time, it changes the way that you see what this relationship can be. And that's part of what happened for me. And that's part of the meat and potatoes ideas. Just like I used to have to set a hard limit that you could not give me tasks to do while I was at work, because I would choose those tasks over doing my job every time. And that is not a good thing to do. So, you know, I I think when I realized that there are doms who put your well-being and your health above and the relationship's health above those jolts of excitement, that was when I realized you could actually make a life out of this. This wasn't just something that spoke to me deeply. It was actually a sustainable life. And that's your search now. Yes. To make the connection for 20, 30, 40, whatever years. That's the goal. I mean, I I think... I'm maybe unusual in that I don't like dating. <laughs> Some people love the excitement of meeting someone new and all of that. And I like the point where I've met someone that I feel a spark with. And I say to myself, I can't wait to spend the next several months getting to know this person. I want to know everything about this person. And then I love the everydayness of being able to sit with your person and watch a movie. And maybe there's a DS twist to that, that I'm sitting on the floor instead of on the couch, or I'm sitting there in cuffs and a collar instead of, you know, normal street clothes or whatever the twist might be. But I want this DS connection to be as ordinary and everyday as any long-term relationship gets to be, because that to me is where the real power of it is. And some way we come back to the meat and potatoes again, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) That's the core of it for me. But again, I'm a Midwest girl, so probably steak. That's probably what the meat is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's in your future? You are a blogger. Are you a writer also? I have blogged for a long time. And I get value out of it just in the way that it helps me to organize my own thoughts. It's just, it's how I think. But I don't know if I would write more than just the blog. For now, I'm happy just writing the blog and getting messages from people and talking to them about their experiences and reading other people's experiences and absorbing that because I think everybody has a wonderful, unique story. And even if it's the same topic I've read about a dozen times, I think that there's so much richness to hearing how other people experience that same thing. And that's the very reason you're on Kinky Cast tonight is uh, sharing your story with the world because we learn from people's stories is what we believe too. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and best of luck. You have been listening to episode 228 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to KinkyCast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present, recorded at Frolicon, Inclusivity, Where Are All the Black People? <laughs>